0: Hi, Bleeding Heart. I've had to join because, I mean, I've been trying to resist the urge to join the stream, but I heard you say about ethical journalism, and I'm like, wow. I mean, I know that you're not an unintelligent lady, so I can only put it down to being naive, but to believe that journalists are ethical in their behaviour is just... You've clearly not seen the things that I've seen to have that belief, you know? And I'm going to give you one oh. example, okay? Um, and we're talking about Tommy Robinson, or as actually called him Stephen Yaxton lennon so I'll use him as an, ex- as an example. He went for an interview with Sky, and he knew he was going to get stitched up, so he made sure that the video was recorded by, um, I think it was one of, his, one of his security team or someone that recorded it on their phone. Oh. So we had a live like recording of the in- in- interview. And then when the Sky interview went out, They'd cut and shut it, so the questions that he'd said no to, they took the no and applied it to another question that he said yes to, you know, which totally changed what he said, you know, and because they did that, he then put out the original footage that he'd filmed, and he highlighted where they'd cut and shut to change what he was how he was answering the question, you know, and this is what they do, and then when you see that going on. And You know he's been stitched up. You can't then Pan- Panawana,
1: I believe was the same, wasn't it? Same sort of
0: Panawana, Same thing. Yeah, you had that John Sweeney openly saying he wanted to stitch Tommy up as some sort of sexual predator, wasn't he? When he's stitched stitch, stitch him up as you know, I
1: believe now John Sweeney oh, okay. fucking
0: resigned, didn't he? I think as well. Oh, his career is was over, wasn't it? You know, yeah, yeah.
2: Is it is isn't there like I mean, I'm not really a hundred percent familiar with. Steve Vioce Lennon, but isn't there kind of like Martin Bashir? Did he kind of like he interviewed Michael Jackson? Does this sound kind of is? Yeah,
0: he interviewed Michael Jackson and Princess yeah, he just Diana. Said that Martin right.
1: Bashir has been called out for editing heavily, editing and stuff, and and yeah. giving leading questions and that sort of shit. But did
0: yeah. he do the same thing to Princess Diana as well? Yeah, Diana was the same thing. Yeah. So just, when you hear when you say ethical journalism that's just like <laughs> the two words don't go together they really don't oh
2: yeah well we know all about the sun and the news of the yeah.
0: world so yeah. when so when once you know that journalism can behave in that way you've then got to understand that they can paint people in a certain light that leads you to believe they're a certain thing when they're not
2: yeah so no I only, agree with you you've I think a kind me. of
0: question you know when you hear all these bad things about people that are, are grifters or aren't in it for for genuine reasons you gotta think well who's telling you that and why are they telling you that you yeah, know? yeah and then you gotta take into account that tommy's uncovering something that the mainstream media aren't uncovering
1: hmm.
0: so is there a little bit of competition there or an animosity there towards him because he's doing something that they're not doing you know yeah and why are they not doing it you know you've had the police hold their hands up and say yeah we're going back through the past 40 years looking at where we've messed up where we've failed these girls and where we should have done things that we, we didn't do it properly um they've pretty much admitted they were scared of being accused of being racist or what they call it inst- institutional racism don't they they call it you know yeah um, yeah they do and when the, police, when, when the police are saying, yeah, okay, we screwed up and we didn't do things properly, the council are saying it, the care system are saying they didn't like, support the girls that were in their care properly, you know. Um, and the government are saying, yeah, okay, look, we're going to look into this because we can see we've made massive mistakes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, to then say, well, is it really happening? Well, yeah, two fucking right it's happening you know the girls are saying it the police are saying it the government are saying it the only people that are not saying it are well the only ones that i hear saying about it not being true are the muslims that don't want it to be true and the anti-anti-tommy people that want to just say oh he's just a grifter he's just cashing in you know mm-hmm. so that's my angle on it i mean each to their own rules we'll to their own opinion but at the end of the day if he wasn't doing what he's doing where, where would it be that we, we'd be then you know we'd probably still have thousands of girls um being groomed <laughs> every week you know
2: but would we um, i mean i mean the question hanging over this guy steven jackson's head is like um is he an antagonist
0: well you do know creating, that
2: creating okay, um...
0: not. you do know that was, the story didn't really break until a guy from the times actually covered it and they investigated it. And then they released the, uh the story of what had been going on.
2: When was this? Was this a number of years ago? Because if you look I up know on, I've seen the documentary. Yeah,
0: look up on YouTube. Sorry, the TV yeah.
2: series.
0: Look up on YouTube, a guy called Andrew Norfolk.
2: Andrew Norfolk. Okay.
0: Yeah. It's about an 18 minute video you can watch where he does a presentation, a uh, sort of journalist sort of, uh, seminar presentation kind of thing and he talks about how um he made connections with people that released files they shouldn't have released that gave him a little bit of a, a headway into investigating what had gone on and what he wanted to investigate was is it true that brown men are raping white girls because that's like that's the uh the far right narrative isn't it people always say you know and when he looked into it he found that that overwhelmingly was what he found you know um and he you couldn't deny it the facts were there and he went to his editor and said look you know i I found this and all the facts that it's all set all stacking up and they've done a massive investigation and then they broke the story to the mainstream media and then all of a sudden tommy wasn't this uh this far-right extremist anymore It's actually you you know what hang on maybe he's not been lying to everyone you know so yeah go and watch that video andrew norfolk okay
2: okay. so just to clarify um your suggestion is is that in order to avoid institutional being accused of institutional racism there was an opt there uh, there was the, people opted authorities opted to have institutional discrimination bias what are, you know that that thing where they kind of like
0: exactly yeah, that
2: okay. exactly
0: yeah. that. yeah okay, okay. Police, police have admitted they've been told not to investigate because if they investigate a certain uh part of the community it can be put back put back on them they'd be racist hmm. because what what a way to cover up if, if you're grooming young girls and people are pointing the finger at you you can scream oh you're just racist you're saying that because i'm a muslim we we still hear every day when you talk about grooming gangs you hear people going oh no that's not muslims they're not really muslims they're just uh they they claim to be muslim but they're not you know so for a grooming gang for a person that's doing that crime if they can scream out oh you're just targeting me because of the color of my skin then the police are like oh i don't want to be accused of being racist so they don't they don't investigate and yeah. and they've admitted that. They've said that's what they've done, you know.
2: Where have they admitted this? Is would I find that under that guy, Andrew Norfolk's?
0: Um, um there wasn't there wasn't a, a video on YouTube where the guy came out of the police station and gave a statement and he told um I forget the name of the girl now. It's the girlfriend of Paul Golding. Who used to be the used to be the girlfriend of James Goddard. Um Ashley Simmons or Simon's, I think her name is. But um, yeah, she was at the police station, and the copper came out, and he told her they're going back through the past forty years of files to see where they went wrong and re and check why, where they've let people down and made mistakes and not investigated properly. Mm-hmm. Really, how many girls have been let down over forty years?
1: I have that on video if you want to see that.
0: There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know what I mean, then, Danny. Um, yeah so so yeah the police have held their hands up and said they've made mistakes they've they've admitted they failed these girls but it isn't just the police bleeding heart you got to look at the care system because these girls that get groomed they don't come from your average family you know who tend to like you know take more care of their children than the children in the care system you know if you've got a child that's in care and they decide to leave that whether they're in care On a Friday night and go for their boyfriend, you know they haven't got parents searching like I would be searching. If if it was my daughter, I'd have my neighbours out, I'd have my relatives out, I'd have the whole fucking street out searching for my daughter, and they would, you know. A girl in care doesn't have that, so what what would happen is the care home would find the police and go, yeah, we've got another runaway, and the police are like, oh yeah, another one. Ring us back tomorrow if she hasn't turned up, you know, because they're not going to go searching because there's no there's no one phoning up every five minutes saying what the fuck are you guys doing you know which is what i would do if my daughter was missing and i'm sure if you've got children and your children went missing bleeding heart you'd be frantic wouldn't you You'd be worried you'd be like going going nuts you know mm-hmm. and you'd be putting pressure on the police to get out there and drive around looking for the girl and knock on doors and do everything but when a kid from care goes missing it's like oh yeah i'll be back on monday you know and that was how the care staff treated them. And that was. I'm ex- I'm,
2: I'm aware, though, and that daughter, some of these young women came from. You know they they lived with their families.
1: Yeah, not all were care system. There was a high oh, no no, no, not all. Obviously,
0: not all in not, not all in care. All, yeah. But it, even the ones that aren't in care, you would probably find. I would imagine. And this is this is just sort of my my guess, they would come from a home that may be a, tra- may be a troubled home more than a stable home, you know? Because these grooming gangs look for vulnerable girls, you know, that can be lured away from their home.
1: You know? Yeah. i tell you what, tell you oh, what I'm, I'm sure is strange. None of the victims' survivors actually get on, which I find really strange. Say
0: that again,
2: Danny?
1: Interesting, none of the victims and survivors actually get on. It's as if they were turned against each other. And a lot of them blame mm-hmm. each other as well. A lot of them say, Look, I wouldn't have been raped or groomed it wasn't for you, because a lot of them pulled each other into it friends of friends and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. A lot of them blame each other for it, if you like. And it's not, but
0: isn't that what a grooming gang would do? A grooming gang, let's say yeah. you've got, oh, yeah. I mean, the way these grooming gangs work, it'd be a young lad flashing the cash around. Giving the girl drink, drugs, cash, going, taking her shopping, you know. And the and he... thing that
1: ain't got talked about by Tommy yet either yeah. is the uh the males, the boys. Yeah, but the, the wards, to the to the, oh, okay. to the girls,
0: they've got a cool a cool boyfriend that's got a car and you know, and then when that boyfriend says, "Oh yeah, bring your friends along," <laughs> you know, so obviously if they get one girl groomed, they're going to try and tap into the the, the, the friend network, aren't they? It's the same thing that Je- uh, Jeffrey Epstein did. If, if you watch the Netflix um, documentary about Jeffrey Epstein, they worked the same way. They got a girl in, and then they got her to bring her friends, and they got her to bring her friends. It was all connected. Yeah. So, yeah, they are going to be blaming each other for getting each other into it, you know? A lot of
1: them Yeah, well they'd be, dead well. be
2: angry with each other.
1: Yeah. It's quite a lot of them um about books. I mean in a way they're probably getting they're
0: oh, getting they the gr-
2: written books. They yeah. Yeah. Actually- quite a lot of
1: the type of victims yeah. Up, yeah.
0: They're yeah. kind of getting the grooming victims to become the groomers in a way.
1: Yeah. Get the blame scapegoats even. Yeah. 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 yeah you want to play that video then if what is okay where you're playing it? Oh, right, yeah, sorry, which one I say? Which one was it? The
0: police station one where they say about 40, going back through 40 oh, right, years okay, of
1: records. Yeah. Okay, that's the demo of the documentary, that is. Where is it? There it is. Is that the one?
2: Oh, well, nosy cow is, has said of the victims. I'm not too sure whether I should say survivors. She has said that a lot of the girls didn't actually know each other. They weren't connected.
1: I'm told they were a bit more connected, but okay. yeah, that happened as well. Obviously a lot of them we kept separate. Yeah. I get mm-hmm.
2: that. But um, Mm. models first is replying to Adam Smith and he says and racists are using this series failing by the police in the past on the backs of the victims so is that a kind of is is an agenda being pushed
0: well firstly I would say it's not first it's not a race issue it's a Muslim issue now so if you're going to say racist, you, I will say what what race? That's the question. Of the model first. What race is being targeted here? And if you're going to if you're going to go down the line of it's because they're Muslim, then you've got to look at the uh, the statistics. You know, when you've got eighty four percent of the grooming gang convictions are Pakistani Muslim, that tells you there's a problem. I'm not saying 84% of paedophiles are Muslim. I'm saying grooming gang convictions. 84% were Pakistani Muslim.
2: That's that's very specific,
0: isn't it? Grooming gang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When they prosecute, they have type two and type one. Uh one one of those would be your typical, um, what we would call your typical paedophile, you know, your dirty old man, a, a priest, you know. Yeah, your stereotypical paedophile.
2: A and the other an type, opportunist. Opportunist. Yeah,
0: and yeah, and, and the other type is the grooming gang type.
2: Who so when you look
0: at so, so when they look at the two types of prosecution and they look at the type that is the grooming type, and they looked at the number of people that were sent to prison, actually convicted of it, 84% of those were Pakistani Muslim.
2: Guilty of grooming.
0: Guilty of, yeah, guilty and convicted and imprisoned of being a member of a grooming gang a grooming girls,
2: yeah, which kind of like took advantage basically, raped.
0: Well, of course, yeah, rape, of course, yeah. I mean, that's what that's the, the ultimate reason why they groom these girls is to rape them, to prostitute them, to pimp them out, <laughs> you know.
2: So, um, in comparison, okay, so this occurred in various little spots where. You know around the uk
0: um all around all around the uk and you, if it's happening in, if it's happening up north I, I can't i really can't see why there will be a divide where it happens up north and not down south so you can pretty say it's happening in every city and town in the country okay
2: so clerical abuse is clerical abuse
0: are we talking uh, about the, the catholic church
2: yeah and the protestant yeah. church also yeah
0: yeah i mean so yeah.
2: women gangs is specific to um you know, a certain demographic, yeah
0: statistically, yeah okay. statistically, it's all the figures tell you that it's predominantly Muslim men grooming and raping white girls well eighty four percent. When you look at when you look at that, that exact type of crime, that exact type of paedophilia, the grooming gang type of, of paedophilia, but then people go, well, what what about the Catholic Church? What about the priests? You know, and it's like there's a lot of what I call what where people try to deflect away from that by looking at paedophilia as a whole, which is overwhelmingly white. I mean, I think the figures like 90s 90 something percent white. Um, when you look at paedophilia as a a whole you know um but to do that when you look at it as a whole you don't notice the specific grooming gang convictions and the grooming gang crime Mm. but it's, it's quite a deflection when people do that i think
2: okay
1: can you share screen?
2: They not. Um. No, I can't actually. It would have to be Rodney, who no. does that. No, um. Maybe I'll go me. and give him um a, a telegram message. Maybe see if we... he's asleep? You he might, he might have. Might have.
0: It's five o'clock in the morning.
2: <gasps> is it? Jesus. Yeah. Good conversation, lads. By the way. Yeah. Um, I mean, about
0: the um? I am mean,
2: not going to kind of like tell you, that I? I totally trust what you're both
1: saying. I I no, but you know, hey, 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 we still, still ain't friends and yeah. <laughs> I
2: wouldn't no, expect God. you to uh,
1: take my
0: word oh, for it. I thought
2: we made but,
0: progress, study. You know, I wouldn't expect you to take my word for any of this. I, I but what I would like you to do is to go and look at it yourself, you know. Go and go and read the reports for these uh these statistics, you know. Go and find out, fact check it, you know. Do do you as I, as I say, say, do your own due diligence. You know all the, the facts going oh, yeah. to go oh, at, You know. Um, I think the eighty-four percent thing was the Quilliam report by Have you heard of the Quilliam? Is it the Quillium Foundation, Danny, or yeah. Quilliam Group? Um, it's actually a, a Muslim organization um the guy that ran that was the guy from lbc radio um majid noise that's
1: him. No, that's, that's him
0: yeah Magic he's, a, presen- Boy, he's, he's a, presenter, well. a presenter on lbc radio the one who just got sacked um
2: all right because they, they have that other guy on there i can't remember his name is it james something
0: yeah james o'brien yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. so this equilibrium foundation other people that did the uh, investigation into um the, the grooming gangs and it's their research that's been passed to the government for them to look into you know which is what triggered the investigation by sajid Javid. um they but the government when they got hold of it kind of dropped the muslim angle and went down the asian angle you know because it's a uh, more palatable for people that don't want to um hear something that sounds similar to what tommy robinson might say so it became asian grooming gangs you know and of course it's not not an asian issue because you haven't got you know a predominantly large amount of hindus and sikhs or you know other types of asian people um grooming doing grooming um, activity you know it's quite specific but that's not PC is it? Hmm. In fact, when you look when you look for the video from Andrew Norfolk, um type in Andrew Norfolk, uncomfortable truth, and then you'll find you'll find it straight away.
2: Andrew, and what, uh, Andrew Norfolk.
0: Andrew Andrew Norfolk,
2: uncomfortable
0: um, truths. Yeah, yeah, uncomfortable truth. And when you watch that, it's an eighteen minute eighteen minute or so video and it really does open up your eyes because he wanted to try and what he found was what people like tommy have been saying but it shocked him because you know he's a mainstream journalist you know and he didn't want to he didn't want it to be true you know he didn't want to be going out and saying yeah uh, yeah the all these are these right these people you call racists they're all telling the truth you know because that's not an easy thing to to come out with is it you know It'd be much easier to go. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm exposing the far right, <laughs> you know. But um, what you found was everything everything supported what people had been saying was was racist for years, you know.
2: Bypassed and dismissed by claims of. <laughs>
1: Oh are, is, the, is that is, me? Here's the
2: audio, Is the audio to it, all right? All right, okay. I'll point it out I to you. If you've
1: ever been here, I wouldn't be there. What happened the first time? He's crying against little girls for fear of being called racist. They've known what has been going on in that town for 40 years. They so not talk to me about going to meet certain
2: people, not to tell my dad if they told me to go to that person.
1: Who was the kingpin? Who was the main organiser? I don't want to be with this for the rest of the life. He was that hurt by it. He, he got out of the car and he
3: couldn't wait for the police to come. He needed to, to go.
1: Family trees, networks, how they operate, who operates with who. Just so you understand, as we go along here, we have CPS solicitors, police officers, politicians. That's the level of connections who are involved and intertwined within, within these gangs. There are five dead females. The hands of these guys and tell for them. I'm sorry to do this. I mean I have to be hundred percent before I make an approach. The hunters are about to become a hunter. This is a cure that's come out of his house. This is the vehicle we've got some people. Um, okay. Hello Social services and councils are refusing to help the inquiry at all. Yeah, We're supplying
2: them with 40 years' worth of information. So he 40 years' worth of information. So information. Refusing so so to help the inquiry at all. We're supplying them with 40 years' worth
0: of information. That's the police officer saying that
2: they came out to speak to the crowd. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hearing this. The book and
0: telling Danny, the do air. you want to play the? Danny, do you want to play the audio for the Andrew Norfolk, um, presentation? How long is it? It is eighteen minutes, but it's pretty good to watch. Eighteen minutes of audio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can we handle that? Um. It's on YouTube. Yeah, it's on YouTube. Just type in Andrew Norfolk, uncomfortable truth.
2: Okay, I'm. I'm going to point out um some some uh things said in the chat sure yeah. and um uh, asketti uh, you know, asks why use muslims you dangerous guy you know
0: why use muslims
2: yeah um, because,
0: because we've got an issue with muslims raping young girls and they need to be prosecuted and put in prison for it so that more girls don't get raped
2: but you said a little earlier on uh jason that um it's not necessarily you you actually acknowledge that other muslims would say well this is not how muslims behave no who are how we are i would say say that's kind of like um
0: you get muslims you get muslims what you get is you get Muslims say that the people that are committing these crimes and grooming young girls are not Muslim and then you get the grooming gang um, people that are doing this claiming when they get convicted that they're doing it in the name of their religion and even using it as a defence in court.
2: Is that, that true is, that, that, that is true it's been no, used I'm, in court. Well, as I'm as Uh, As well, Like, obviously, because he would have... It's their culture, it's their
0: belief, it's, you know, it's, yeah. Okay, so maybe he'll answer that in a minute. Interesting. I mean, I don't know if you know a girl called Subida, who's on YouTube. I had a, a debate with her recently about Prophet Muhammad and the Aisha being nine years old when the Prophet Muhammad had sex with her and consummated the marriage um and she's she totally accepts and agrees that the prophet muhammad married aisha when she was six and slept with her at nine and when i said to her would you believe that 1400 years ago a nine-year-old could be biologically or even psychologically ready for marriage and sex and her answer was yeah 1400 years ago yeah but not now but then there's other people that say well, if it was good for the Prophet Muhammad back then, it's good for me now, you know. And that's why you get nine-year-olds still to the state, getting married, <laughs> you know. Um, in fact, we had Tommy outside the court a few weeks ago speaking to two Muslims that were telling him that as far as they're concerned, once a girl has reached puberty, she's no longer a girl, she's a woman, and sexual intercourse is perfectly fine, even if that's as young as nine or ten. They even said to Tommy, when he said, well, what my daughter, when she's reached puberty, you think that's okay and you can have sex with her. They said, well, if she's reached puberty, she's not a girl. Now, these guys claim to, to be Muslims. But other Muslims claim that they're not really Muslims if they believe that.
1: So who's right and who's wrong? It's what your heart yeah, says
2: Oh, sorry, sorry,
1: Danny, what? I said, it's what your heart says to make it what makes it right and wrong.
0: Well, yeah, well, there's a lot of men in their heart that believe that because the Prophet Muhammad married Aisha at six and slept with her at nine, that that sets the example to follow. And uh, in, their, in their culture, they believe that a nine or ten-year-old that's has reached puberty um, is a woman, no longer a child. You know yeah. that's you know back My in heart, their home, back in their country they could marry her, you know, in this country that girl someone's little girl, you know. It's a clash of culture, isn't it? Okay. But when you speak yeah. when you speak to Muslims, a pleasing Heart, or people that claim to be Muslim, they believe that they are a Muslim. You know. um and they say to you as far as i'm concerned if a girl is nine she's a woman i can sleep with i can sleep with her that's not that's not a problem i can marry her you know when they stand and say that to your face and you to us they are a pedophile but in their head they don't consider themselves to be pedophiles
2: and that's the problem
0: well
2: i don't you see this is my thing here now jason um i don't know if i should call you jason
0: yeah Jason. um
2: i'm kind of inclined to disbelieve you um on that well, uh,
0: what part do you disbelieve you you disbelieve uh, that you disbelieve that there's muslims that claim that a nine-year-old that's reached, reached puberty is a woman and they can sleep with her
2: yeah
0: okay I'd um look up the videos i'm sure you'll find it all over youtube tommy outside the court talking to the muslims that told him exactly that um you got Ali, da- Ali Dawa in speaker's corner that said that his daughter could get married at nine no problem with that yeah it's not hard to find people that say that
2: and earlier in the conversation you um said that you cannot be racist if you're anti Muslim. I would like to tell No no you I didn't say that. You can actually be no, racist. I didn't
0: I didn't say that. No.
2: Yeah you did. You did say that. And um you know how can you be racist Oh sorry I'm, I'm with you now. Religion? I'm
0: with you now. If you're if you're and don't get me wrong, I'm not anti Muslim. I'm anti Muslims that rape young girls i don't believe that i don't believe that all muslims want to go and rape young girls so i wouldn't i wouldn't say i'm anti-muslim because you're talking about 1.6 billion people and i don't believe that 1.6 billion people want to rape nine-year-olds i'm saying there's a small element that needs to be tackled within that within that religion or um ideology if you want to call it that but when you look at racism if you said if you said that me having an issue with muslims raping nine-year-olds is racist i would ask you which race
2: oh but i would like to tell you and this is known and understood and accepted that islamophobia is racism
0: there's no such thing as islamophobia there is well okay firstly islam is not a race because you can be white black asian you can still be a muslim you can still follow islam islam is not a race that's factually incorrect so again i will say to you if i'm I'm attacking a race leading out if i'm attacking a race can you tell me what race i'm attacking
2: you're attacking people on the basis of their their religious beliefs so again, and, you know, let's, not let's, not let's think about not Northern not, Ireland. Not, let's just, let's like have a look not, at Northern Ireland again, again, and again, how Catholics yeah. nationalists were treated, like you know, some humans. Okay, but
0: bleeding heart. Let's
2: have a little look at that.
0: Bleeding heart. Which race? Which race of people?
2: Which race of people were?
0: Well, you you're saying about being racist. So I'm asking you, which race of people? if you if you if you talk about a Catholic priest raping a choir boy, would I call you racist? No
1: mm-hmm.
0: So when I talk about a Muslim raping a girl, why do you call me racist? Race doesn't come into it. So again,
2: I'm not, I'm not calling you racist for that i'm just saying that you should know that islamophobia is actually real and okay. that people do spread. We'll, we'll, get,
0: we'll, we'll get to is is we'll get to whether islamophobia is real next but let's first of all let's tackle this issue of race can you give me a definition of what race means what is race
2: it's a social construct that was um kind of created uh, before but uh, you know it's sort of like solidified in the 18th century when colonial colonialism was a thing so which race of
0: people am i being am i being racist against when i speak about grooming gangs
2: um
0: do you believe that muslims are a race of people
2: i know that muslims are not a race of people
0: Right, I, so it's not not a race yeah, issue.
2: there are many different ethnicities or sort of cultures.
0: Okay, so we we, we need to make Muslim. sure we need to make sure we're not mistaking race for ethnicity because it's two different things. Okay. Yeah. In the UK today, Islamophobia.
2: Okay, so, Islamophobia.
0: so we'll, we'll move on from racism. Type to, of okay, racism. so let's move let's move on from racism because we've established that. An, a person that follows islam as a muslim can be any race white black asian any race so it's not fair to say that it's a targeting a specific race so let's move so, on
2: yeah move on to, yeah, move no, on to the I asked you this question um yeah let's move on to your man norfolk in a minute but um
0: no and i mean you said about you associate
2: muslim you know who do you which culture is most associated with being muslim would it be people from pakistan of course okay so they're in
0: so if a a black person or an asian person criticizes the catholic church for paedophilia within the within the church is that person racist against white people no they're calling out a sexual offence, you know, an attack on a child, you know, it's not about race. It really isn't bleeding heart, and it's very easy to dismiss it and say, "Oh, you just don't like brown people." That mm-hmm. is a, a smoke of mirrors, you know, and it distracts away from the real problem, which is that we've got a problem with girls getting groomed and raped. And it's okay. very, easy and it's but easy if... to say, "Oh, you're just a racist. You just, just, you just don't like brown people." It's not about that, you know. But if
2: you're a fair-minded, right-thinking person would you not tell me something very positive about muslims can you not can you tell me and and people from pakistan even
0: how do you tackle girls getting groomed and raped by focusing on the positive i don't get that rational rationale it doesn't make sense to me that if you're going to tackle something as ugly as thousands of girls getting groomed and raped okay as young as nine or ten years of age and you're saying well can't you say something nice instead sorry can but you, no I you can't you it was getting groomed and raped you know it's not it's not I, I, I don't get this whole what about ism yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's really hard horrible. The girls are getting raped. But can we talk about something nice instead? No, we
2: can't. No, talk about uh, nice sorry, you can't accuse yeah. me of being w- of uh, of water battery. You can't. Well, no. I mean, that's. It no, doesn't matter how many it. water battery is kind of different. You can't. Different.
0: You can't tackle Muslims that are grooming girls by speaking about the good things about Islam. You know, because that's not going to tackle. The, the bad side you know
2: right and are you gonna are you
0: gonna fix are you gonna fix priests raping choir boys by talking about how great how great the uh, harvest festival is in the church you know what's
2: well, you know what's, well, you it, know what's gonna, gonna happen you're gonna give a <laughs> you know? balanced view you're gonna give a val- balanced view and uh you're not gonna be overly judgmental if you also state what is really good about a certain culture a certain kind of like you know I'm I'm just saying
0: yeah I'm sure there's plenty of people I mean as I said there's 1.6 billion Muslims in the world and as I said before I'm not saying that they all want to go and rape with nine-year-olds you know I'm not saying that for one minute to say that would be would be would be mad you know, mm-hmm. you're not going to accuse everyone of being guilty of one of what's being done by a small minority within that within that culture or that religion. Mm-hmm. But you can't get away from the fact that it's going on by just looking at the good side and not looking at what's what's really happening. You know, well, and you a balanced know,
2: point of view is always going to be important. And I just me. want to ask you this next question: Would you say that these grooming gangs are primarily? coming
0: from Pakistan no the reason I say no in this country yes because in this country the majority of Muslims in this country are from Pakistan not not all of them because you've got you got Muslims from other countries including Bangladesh which is um, was also mentioned in their report that went to the government but the majority of Muslims in this country would be Pakistani but that doesn't happen across the whole world. You've got grooming gangs in Holland. In fact, there's, there's such a big issue with it that um, they released a DVD in the, to all the schools to educate the children about the dangers of grooming gangs. But their grooming gangs weren't Pakistani, they were Moroccan and Turkish. The exact were same problem.
2: Were they Muslims?
0: Exactly. They were Muslims. Yes, they were. Well,
2: I mean, hold on, don't say exactly. Yeah
0: well (laughs) well the same thing happened in germany but that wasn't pakistanis doing the grooming there that was a different country but again muslim and this this is a pattern that is happening all around the western world where you find grooming gangs what you find is they are predominantly muslim and they're not all from pakistan Mm -hmm. but in this country that is the case but only because the majority (laughs) of Muslims are pakistani
1: in this country all right, do, you want, do you want to all close, close your ears a minute, folks? One, one last
0: thing, one last Hang thing, on, to two come seconds,
1: up. To, turn your speakers down because I'm going to shout Rodney really loud to wake that up. <laughs> yeah. uh,
2: okay, we're not going to listen to the audio, or will you try and play the audio?
1: I've got it ready anytime.
2: Okay, but I think model, yeah.
1: models first wants into the room, so I'm trying to wake Rodney up.
2: Uh... Rodney, wake
1: right go- <laughs> up. So, see if that worked. Uh, well, yeah, I can play the audio anytime you want, but I've just listened to you two chat. Carry on, sorry. So,
0: yeah, Islamophobia. Yeah. Do you know what Islamophobia means?
2: I do. I absolutely do.
0: What would you say the definition of Islamopho- Islamophobia is?
2: Is having a kind of like um, a hatred, a bias against people who practice that religion. Incorrect. What would you say it is?
0: Well, break the word down. It's a made up word that is formed from two words. The first word is Islam. So the focus is on Islam. And the second word is phobia. The definition of a phobia is an irrational fear. So if you're gonna call somebody an Islamophobic or or accuse them of Islamophobia, you're telling them they've got an irrational fear of Islam
2: of now, the religion well, as opposed to the people who follow the religion what do you what do you mean
0: well if you're saying islam then you're talking about the whole entirety of islam as an ideology
2: no not at all we're talking about the people islamophobia the people, okay, is okay. The people and the people who follow that that that
0: follow, the people that follow islam are muslims yes
2: mm-hmm.
0: so islamophobia is an irrational fear of the followers of islam which is muslims yeah so then you've got to look at why what the foundation is for that fear and when you find out that in towns like telford there's 1.7 percent of the population that are muslim half of those are women then you can take away the uh the elderly men and the uh school age boys and when you look at the remaining demographic the uh adult working age man and then you find out there's evidence that's coming out on the, on the 29th of january that 30 percent of those people are involved in this grooming that's something that's quite an, quite alarming and needs looking into so if it's if it's true that there's an issue with grooming gangs that are doing it because of their belief that their their religion allows that and permits that because they believe that nine-year-old girls are of age to be to be, to be married you know um well, and then well, you like like children
2: justin jason then you've done it you you've just I don't, I don't clarified think what islamophobia is
0: yeah i don't in, think it's a russ-
2: couples of yeah. it's, where, it's,
0: it's whether or not we agree or disagree that it's irrational to be fearful of guys that want to rape nine-year-olds i'm sorry that scares me you know if there's men that are happy to stand and say to us as far as they're concerned a nine-year-old is not a child and they can rape them then i'm I'm gonna be fearful of those people that have that belief why would you not be scared of someone that tells you that
2: uh first of all i do not believe that muslims the majority of them would even Claim that, and I'm not. Don't
0: twist my words by using the word majority because I've, I've never said that the majority of Muslims believe this.
2: No, I'm not twisting your words. You know, are now. because
0: you're, you're saying that I've said the majority, and I'm saying it's a small minority.
2: No, what minority. I said to you was I did not say to you that you're trying to tell me the majority of, I just said that I do not believe the majority of.
0: I don't believe the majority of them are either. I right. agree with you. And I believe the minority I, is,
2: yeah. I added that I don't even believe the minority.
0: Then you're very naive and
2: informed. That's... And you need
0: to do your research.
2: Yep, yeah, for sure.
0: Because there's, there's people out there that you can go and speak to that will tell you exactly that they believe what I'm telling you they believe. there's hundreds of videos that you can go and watch online where muslims are saying yes nine year old that's reached puberty is no longer a child and is ready for marriage and a relationship and sex and they're a woman and they'll say that to you
1: okay and would you believe would you and and would
0: you would you call that person a paedophile
2: I don't even know know if that person exists. I'm not I don't, if, right, I don't if that person really is, believe right. that is if that impact. person
0: existed, would you call them a would you call that person a paedophile? Um, I would
2: I would call them a person who had very backward views and were basically no, you wouldn't call, so, you, so, you,
0: so are you telling me that you would not call a Muslim man that Justin, tells you if you can sleep with a nine-year-old Justin, you would Justin, not just you wouldn't call him a pedophile
1: you've got to let bleeding heart finish your hands mate before you start keep putting in all the time
0: Sorry, but, okay so I just want to but clarify let, no, 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 no just
2: just um kind of like because we it could be a you know that kind of the way you have a round argument or whatever what's they call that kind of an argument well,
0: look, bleeding, <laughs> bleeding
2: around the circles well we listen right, to that by heart. andrew norfolk <laughs>
0: if i introduced you to a man that said to you yeah i'm a muslim and i believe that a nine-year-old that's reached puberty is an adult and i can sleep with her and that's cool that's, i can marry her if i want would you not say to that person you are a pedophile you would just say they're a bit, a bit backward
2: i would ask them what they base this belief in on. and if they said if
0: they said to you Because in our culture, when a girl has reached reached puberty, she's mature and no longer a child.
2: Um, Come back to me on that. I don't I don't even think it's true that in the Western world, that that's something that's carried from another culture
0: so you think are you think so you think people so you think people from another part of the part of the world will travel to the uk and ditch their culture and practices when they arrive in the uk
2: um i think they'll probably cook food Listen, I'm not even going to go there. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, I think, don't I, think I think you're And it's not because not being, I'm a f- yeah. I'm fearful of losing it. It's just that um.
0: I think you're fearful of the answer, and then being being you yourself being accused of being Islamophobic.
2: No, not at all. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not at all. Uh, not at all. If You do your because, research.
0: You'll find these people are there. That these things are true. You know, and you. I
2: no, I, I'm. I disbelieve you. I don't find you credible. And okay. I'm not going to kind of like answer questions. Okay. That look, few, are not substantiated. Like there, there's no kind of like yes. you know. You're so just, you want to so
0: like, you want to see Muslims that are, are openly declaring this that they will nine year old is fine. You want to see Muslims claiming that, do you?
2: I would have to meet that person i'll send you the videos
0: face. i'll send you the video of the people saying it to tommy i'll send okay. you the video okay. I'll, I'll send you the video of three muslims that uh approached tommy when he came out of court at his lizzie dearden case and i'll show you the video where they tell him that his nine or ten year old daughter will be ready for sex if she's reached, mater- reached puberty
2: Okay, and I'm going to put it to you before you send me that information so that I can have a look, or that evidence. And I'm going to tell you that um, you know you Tommy Stephen is a journalist. no, Let us speak. Let us speak. Sorry. Uh, he's a journalist of ill repute, um, employed by dodgy kind of like publications in the web and uh you're you want me to believe that he wouldn't set it up so that somebody would say something and then he wouldn't edit it and so i i'm you know i'm look, not look, gonna kind of okay. evidence from that guy
0: these people were waiting for him they approached him when he came out of court and it was filmed live on youtube
2: Unedited. So, Will you send that to me? Send yeah, it to me. Of, of I'll,
0: cool. it. I'll send it to you. Yeah.
2: Put it in the back chat, and yeah. I'll I'll go and bookmark it. I'll also order.
0: send you a link to the video of the chat I had with Shibida, um, where she basically said, "Yeah, there's guys that believe that." I mean, she said it, she, she doesn't condone it or agree with it, but she admitted that she knows that there's guys that believe this.
2: Okay.
0: You know, okay. and she's a Muslim. So I'll send I'll send you everything I've got, and you can have a look at it. Um, I right. But I'm surprised you've not looked into this and seen it for yourself, you know. But then, why would you look at a journalist that's been uh, that you've been told is of ill repute? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And right, who's I... and who's told you that? The BBC, ITV, Sky News. Ah, trusted <laughs> you know?
2: sources. Trusted sources.
0: Yeah, yeah but. Why do you trust those sources when you know that they lie to you?
2: Well, I don't know that they lie to me.
0: And that's the problem. You don't know that they're lying to you. Yeah, you see. Once you know that they're lying to you, once,
2: once
0: you know that the BBC and Sky News and ITV and the TV channels are lying to you, and you're watching a scripted news that is providing you with a certain narrative to lead you to believe a certain thing, then you start to question. And then you start to look at the alternative news, and just, and you start to decide what you believe and what you trust. And then all of a sudden, it all makes more sense, you know. Mm. And the people that you you, you see as being uh, not credible, all of a sudden you start to think, well, "Hang on, maybe I'll take another look at these people, see if they really are." this uh this uh, thing that the BBC and the ITV and Sky News have told me for all these years.
2: Yeah. Well,
0: I'm open to uh, learning a lot it's, more. It's good to be open. Always be open-minded. <laughs> if you're not an open mind, then you can be uh you can be manipulated easily, can't you? So, hmm. and I'm not saying that has been done to you, but it's um well, it's my belief that people are being manipulated by the mainstream media.
2: Yeah. But, yeah and I, it would be my belief that the alternative media can be equally as manipulative
0: oh cool yeah of course it can that's why you've got to do your own research and fact check and not take care of anything you just you hear as gospel until you've researched it and found out but some people make their mind up and then therefore they, they, they don't look because they made their mind up already you know tommy's a racist he hates brown people he's grifting He's got, he's not doing it for have any concern for the girls that have been raped. And, um, we should watch the BBC and Sky News instead, you know.
2: Well, I don't know why you would assume that they would be my sources of information.
0: <laughs> well, no, they are. For millions I, of watch, people. I, I, I watch, am, uh, I am, obviously, I'm generalizing because they are for millions of people, you know.
2: Yeah, I don't watch uh, that stuff.
0: Good on you. Yeah,
1: I don't like yeah. it. Yeah, good on you. Well, you, still you? Oh, yeah, <laughs> you, there, you on? he's here, so. He, he ain't snowing though. I can't hear him. he muted up. Is he? Mm-hmm. I can't he, he be.
2: Be. <clears throat> I'm going to take a little break. Will you wait for me to come back to play that video? That
1: audio? Yeah, no, yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, Sure. Great, I, I, I won't
2: be too long. Thanks.
1: What is this video, anyway? It's uh, an uncomfortable truth, it says.
0: Yeah. Have you not Andrew seen it now? North-
1: no, Andrew Norfolk, oh, chief yeah. investigative reporter for The Times, talks through his four-year investigation into the lost girl of Rotherham at Shift North 2015. Yeah. No, I've never seen this. Oh,
0: I'm surprised you've not seen it. It's, um, it's the one thing I send people when they say, oh, yeah, Tommy this, Tommy that. I'm like, well, don't don't listen to Tommy. You listen to this guy from the Daily Mail, you know, that speaks about his journalism, you know. This would be the person that Bleeding Heart might call an ethical journalist, <laughs> you know. But he's just, I'm surprised you've not seen it, Danny. It's um, been watched by lots of people. And it's not it's not from what people would say the right or the far right or anything or alternative it's not it's, it's mainstream you know yeah but I, I will send bleeding heart a few um, links to things to go and research and, mm-hmm. and find out you know because the things that she says she doesn't believe they're, they're there to be watched and seen
1: you know? Yeah, it is on Facebook and Twitter. There is people in Salford filming it and putting it on up there to people to see. Yeah, yeah The is still there.
0: It's kind of frustrating, though, when people say, oh, yeah, well, maybe it's been set up. Maybe they've just paid some Muslims to say that. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, no, you can go to the Speaker's Corner and there's Muslims there that will tell you what they believe, you know? Um, unashamedly, you know, Ali Dawah is one of them, you know, he was saying he'd be happy to marry off his own daughter at nine years of age. You should reach, reach when Well,
1: asked my, my, my Bangladeshi mate, right? Who's probably out of all the Muslims I know. Yeah. I know three, I'll be honest, although I know, I know fucking three, but out of them three, one's Bangladeshi and he goes to mosque every day. Right. Mm. And he does the prayer about stuff, you know, every sort of so many hours you go and pray to, um, oh, I don't know now, Mecca, 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 that's right. Yeah, Mecca, yeah. Yeah, so he do, does that. The other two don't. The other two drink, smoke, they don't go to church, they go once a week maybe, you know what I mean, with their and dad's type thing, or yeah. take the grandparents to the church, or whatever, the mosque, I say. Yeah. So they're not, like, in my eyes, full-on Muslims. They, so the they're, they're, is, what, they're what people
0: called cultural Muslims, aren't they? I've heard that yeah. term.
1: So because this guy was more Muslim than the <laughs> he was the one I sort of, I don't know, interviewed, if you like. <laughs> yeah. without him knowing sort of thing i just fucking drilled him so i said right explain yourself about this Mohammed." blah 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 this is years ago this is we're talking probably three yeah. years ago and i had this conversation with him and he said to me she wasn't six isn't nine blah blah that was just because muhammad had to have a pure woman had to have a virgin so yeah. and and he said he got younger and younger and younger and younger some books will tell you it's six and nine some some what they call it is it um what's the vicar's called what are they called the, no, hadith. Hadith, none of the, no, the people of the vicars in the church in the mosque who were they oh the imams and that's yeah, it right the imams that according to him the imams don't mention the names they don't mention the ages they don't mention ages they just, no, say, I mean, they just talk about it. they don't mention the ages at all okay so <laughs> this this Bangladeshi guy said to me that's all made up it's a fabrication there is no names there is no ages shall i say written anywhere that's all bullshit." and i was like all oh, right is it and that's from his voice i don't that's from his mouth well,
0: that's you know not, he doesn't he doesn't know his quran because if you read the quran the age of Aisha is mentioned in the quran in fact she talks about um playing with dolls and playing with her friends i mean there's lots of references to her age in the quran and the hadith if you yeah, believe quran, how it's then...
1: translated it's ever translated and translated differently to other people
0: what you've got is you've got just like in most religions you've got different sects you know you've got Wahhabi. you've got sunni you've got shia they've all got different beliefs beliefs you know they're all muslim but they've got different beliefs that they believe and there are a lot of muslims that claim that aisha was actually 18 and and of course 1400 1400 years ago that was middle-aged you know Um, and she wasn't a virgin and if he'd married her at 18 and she was not not a virgin that would be not becoming for a prophet you know yeah so those muslims claim that the story was concocted that she was a, a six-year-old when he married her and that was consummated when she was nine and she was a virgin because they they would rather say that he slept with a nine-year-old virgin than an 18-year-old that had and had the embarrassment she might been, not have been
1: a virgin yeah well it
0: wasn't a virgin well 18 years of age back then she wouldn't have been a virgin that was like like not like 18 is nowadays you know yeah yeah. um and this is actually something that because tommy did an interview with an australian um australian cleric um i think his name is uh, ah i forget his name but you you can research it and type in australian muslim tommy robinson it'll come up you know i think it's tarweed or tar Mohammed Tawid or something. I don't, I forget the exact name, but anyway, this um, Australian cleric is quite unpopular because he calls that out. He 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 tells people like Tommy that Muslims claim that she was eighteen, but you know she wasn't. She was six. You know he he calls it out and explains it. You know, so yeah, there is a. I have heard what you're saying, but most Muslims. M- predominantly would say no quite right aisha was six married at nine but back then things were different nine-year-olds were adults they was running the household it was a different different time back then you know um
1: wasn't she um wasn't she jewish didn't, didn't she not,
0: jewish not, i've not she heard that before i've
1: not heard that before no maybe I'm, I'm an expert i've not heard that but yeah i i heard that she was the daughter of someone that that when the war happened he killed he beheaded this fucking whoever it was this big chief jewish guy
0: no that's not that's not true because no no that's not true because i know that Mohammed was friends with her father uh, so yeah that's not he didn't kill her father no. no he didn't kill her father no no no, no. So, yeah, she wasn't, you know, a prize from war, a daughter of somebody's killed. No, that would have made her a a sex slave, not a wife, you know.
2: Okay, boys, I'm back.
1: All right, I'll start. Thank you. Sorry to hear
2: me today. Okay, boys, I need to talk to my sons.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Andrew Norfolk to the stage. Thank you. Um, On a Friday afternoon, just over five years ago in August 2010, I'd taken a a long weekend. I was driving through the Scottish borders on route to Edinburgh uh, and a news item came on the radio. Um, court case had just finished at Manchester Crown Court, not far from here. Nine men had been found guilty of multiple sex offences against one 14-year-old girl. She'd been befriended and then passed around these men for sex. And there was an exchange um, between the young reporter outside the court and the presenter in the studio in London. Presenter clearly knew as little about the case as I did because I'd not heard anything about it. Um, until the item came on, the presenter was saying, "This sounds terrible. These are horrific offences. What, what was it about these nine men? Did, did they know? Each- how did they know each other? Did they have anything in common?" And there was an embarrassed silence, and the young reporter um, sort of went, uh, um, "No, I don't think there's any suggestion that these men had anything in common." Now they hadn't named the men. And I sat there in my car, knowing nothing about the case, thinking very uneasily, I bet I know something these men have in common. Um, This was 2010. I I started on The Times in London in 2000. I moved up to Leeds in 2003 as North East correspondent. And as the years passed, I'd begun to notice what seemed to be a similarity between a number of little cases that were cropping up. stories that would come across your desk, local newspaper reports, press agency articles. Um, cases where a number of men, two or more men, were being convicted of sex offences against girls who were almost always aged 12 to 15. Um, the first meeting had been in a public place. It, it wasn't people they knew, it was a meeting in a, a bus station in a shopping mall on a street corner. And these kids, young adolescents who were wanting to be treated as more grown-up than they were, a lot of them from pretty tough backgrounds, um, were going through an initial befriending grooming process, and then alcohol, drugs, um, being lured into a world where they were suddenly completely out of their depth, and in the worst cases, were being put into cars, taken to houses for so-called parties, um, and a lot of men were waiting to have sex with them. There was one other thing these cases had in common. Um, It was very difficult to avoid noticing that the names of almost all the offenders were were Muslim names. And that was really weird because almost every form of sexual offending against children that we know in this country is overwhelmingly white men usually acting on their own. Um, abuse in the family, in institutions, against boys, against prepubescent girls, online white, 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 um, but this was different and yet each case was being treated as a one-off, totally isolated, no pattern. And that day in the car in, in the borders, I said to myself, when I get back to Leeds, I'm gonna check and if these nine men are Muslim names, then I'm, finally I've got to get over my fear that this is a story it's impossible to cover because it is the far right's dream story. Innocent white girls, evil, dark-skinned men. How do you cover that? But I can't carry on ignoring it. And sure enough, when I got back, I looked up. It was indeed, as as I'd thought. Um, The next day, I sent a very long email to the news editor in London. um, Said, look, I think there's something going on here. We need to look into it. Will you give me some time? And he gave me what turned out to be three months. Most of that time was spent trawling online, searching through newspaper, archives in local libraries, trying to find cases that fitted the the pattern. Nothing to do with the names of the men who were being convicted, but the cases that fitted that model. And we came up in the end with 17 cases since the late 90s, 13 different towns and cities, 56 men convicted three of the 56 were white, 53 were Asian names, 50 of them were Muslim names, and when we looked into each case, the overwhelming majority were Pakistani Muslim. Okay, so we had our kind of evidential base, but what the hell are you gonna do about it? Um, We needed to start talking to people, and so I tried to start talking to police forces, to specialists, to experts who look after children, um, to government departments, and there was a complete wall of silence. All we get, if anything, were the terse statement, you know, ethnicity, culture has absolutely no relevance whatsoever to this pattern of offending. Um, in the end, I found one small charity which worked with the families of victims, and through them, I got to know some of the families and to understand that the court cases where people were actually being prosecuted were actually a tiny, tiny minority, because in most cases, Parents had been trying really hard to get help for their kids. They were going and knocking on doors. They were pleading with social services, with police to do something and nothing was happening. Um, Eventually, um, we were ready to publish and we published that first story in January 2011. A whole of the front page and four pages inside. Within a few days the government had ordered a national inquiry, Um, within two days Jack Straw, the former Home Secretary, went on Newsnight and said that some young Pakistani men in his Blackburn constituency viewed white girls as easy meat, which created further headlines. I was called down to London for my very first ever one-to-one meeting with the editor of the Times. um, I'd been told he was quite pleased with the impact of the story, and I thought I was gonna get a pat on the back and be told I'd done a good job. Um, Instead, he told me this was now gonna be my full-time job. I thought we'd done it, but he said we were gonna carry on keeping running stories about this until, and he pointed from his office out through the glass around into the newsroom until the day comes when every single one of your colleagues arrives for work one morning, picks up the front page of the Times and says, oh my God, not another bloody story about child sexual exploitation. That's the day, he said, when I'll know we're finally starting to make a difference. You're gonna carry on writing about this until we're satisfied that every public body in England has the knowledge and systems in place to protect children and prosecute offenders however long it takes. Well, it took four years. Um, we told more individual family stories. One of the very first was uh, from a grandfather who rang from Rotherham, who wanted to talk about his granddaughter. Um, one month after her 13th birthday, she'd gone to school and then gone missing, and the school had rung up mum, who'd immediately rung the police who'd said, don't worry, love, she'll turn up soon as she gets hungry. um, She didn't turn up that afternoon, that evening. And at 2.30 in the morning, the next morning, a woman on the other side of Rotherham had picked up the phone and dialed 999 because she'd heard a young girl screaming in the house next door. Police had gone round to the house. They found this 13-year-old girl with another young girl she was almost completely naked, she was blind drunk, and she was with seven adult Pakistani men. She was drunk and leery. And Yorkshire police arrested the 13-year-old girl for being drunk and disorderly. They took her back to the station, put her in the cells, eventually charged her, and she was convicted. They didn't even question the men as to why they were in a house with a 13 year old girl who was nearly naked in the early hours of the morning. Another early story was about Rochdale and in the spring of 2012 came the first big court case we covered. Um, By now, this pattern and this story was getting quite a lot of attention. But there were still many days when we were the only newspaper in court. Um, It was a trial that lasted several weeks and on one of those days we learned something pretty extraordinary. One of the victims was a girl from Essex, but she'd been put into a children's home in Rotherham, and she was the only resident of that children's home. I'd never heard of solo care children's homes. In two months in that home, she'd gone missing 15 times, periods ranging from a day to a fortnight, and on one of those missing nights she'd been taken to a house, put blind drunk in an upstairs bedroom and cars had started arriving from all across Greater Manchester. Men were queuing on the stairs and on the landing outside the bedroom and the jury heard that 50 men had had sex with that girl in one night. She was a child. When I looked into this children's home, it turned out that Rochdale had more than 40 solo-care homes, each supposedly offering specialist 24-7 care to one child. Essex County Council was paying more than £250,000 a year to place that child there. We discovered a whole pattern of private care companies, many of them owned by private equity firms, buying very cheap properties in the North and the Midlands, and vulnerable kids were being shipped up from London and the South East. Private companies were charging extortionate prices. And these kids were being placed, many of them, right smack bang in the middle of sex screaming hotspots. That story is just one example of some of the spin-offs that came along the four years, but it led to an urgent government review, a significant shake-up of children's home regulations. By now more and more criminal inquiries were being launched, but I kept coming back to Rotherham because something about what what the police had done in that house really troubled me. We told and got to know some families so well in that town and I got to know the case files and it just seemed extraordinary that the authorities knew so much and did so little. I couldn't work out if it was just these isolated cases I was hearing about or whether it was something more. And eventually came the big breakthrough for for the investigation, without question the most single important day, which was the day I drove to an address somewhere in South Yorkshire. I waited and eventually another car drove up. I opened my boot, the driver opened theirs, and two very large sagging cardboard boxes were transferred from their car to mine. Inside those boxes were hundreds of confidential documents. Internal papers, police intelligence reports, social services case files. Those papers gave us the chance to tell a very detailed and damning story how for more than a decade, South Yorkshire Police and Rotherham Council had known exactly what was happening. They knew the girls. They knew the names of the men, their nicknames, their home addresses, their car registration numbers, the places they were taking these children, and they had effectively sat back, shrugged their shoulders and done nothing. In my um, naivety, I thought that when we published that story in September 2012, those at the top of those two organizations would be so shocked and ashamed and horrified that they would immediately announce inquiries to try to get to the bottom of what had happened. Rutheran Council was indeed horrified and an inquiry was launched, but not into their own failings. All they wanted to know was how we got hold of the documents. They'd already tried to get a High Court injunction to block an earlier story. Now they asked the police to launch a criminal inquiry into the leak. They also hired a firm of solicitors to investigate the security breach. As for the police, they not only dismissed all criticism, but publicly accused the Times of exploiting the victims. Those authorities were in complete denial. So we kept digging, and a year later, in August 2013, we published the story that eventually shamed the council, into commissioning the independent inquiry whose report was published in August last year. Rufus was telling you about it. It wasn't just the numbers, 1400 children, it was the clear evidence the inquiry had found of horrific crimes having been ignored or suppressed by the authorities. As Rufus said, suddenly Rotherham became headline news globally. China, Australia, Canada, you name it. And when I think back to what the editor said to me four years ago, um, we're going to keep on until. That the council's chief executive told a parliamentary um, committee in evidence that the reason the council felt forced to commission that inquiry that ended up having such huge repercussions was because, quote, the Times wouldn't leave us alone. In the outcry that ensued, several senior people lost their jobs, then the ruling Labour cabinet resigned en masse. Finally, the local authority was found not fit for purpose and it's now run by a team of government appointed commissioners. I think. This story is an example of why newspapers matter. For years and years, people in that town had been desperately concerned by what was going on. They'd tried their very best to raise the alarm. Young girls and their families had pleaded with the police. Frontline workers told their bosses. Internal reports were written, seminars held, letters sent to chief constables, MPs, government departments, and absolutely nothing changed. And finally, when all else fails, someone very brave decided in desperation to place their trust in journalism. Those documents I was handed revealed something shameful, something people in power, people whose job it supposedly was to protect children, had chosen to keep safely hidden. It was for obvious reasons, a very uncomfortable story to put on the front page of a national newspaper, but but it was true. And sometimes it really is the uncomfortable truths that are the ones it's most important for journalists to tell because if we don't, no one else will. On my own, I could have done exactly the same work as I've done these past five years and it would have achieved precisely nothing. I could have posted blogs. I could have stood and shouted on street corners. It wouldn't have changed anything. But this wasn't me alone. This was The Times, which showed an extraordinary level of commitment and trust in allowing one of its staff reporters to pursue a single investigation for such a long time. And because it was The Times that kept running those stories, people listened. It wasn't the sort of story that immediately makes people rush out to buy newspapers. It exposed us particularly in the early months to some severe criticism, to accusations of racism. Our motivation was questioned, but we kept going. And we ended up giving a voice to some pretty invisible kids. And those articles have, I think, ended up changing the way this country responds to and tackles the sexual exploitation of children by groups of men. Some children, I hope, are safer as a result. That is journalism in the public interest, and to have had a chance to play a role in that process makes me a very lucky person. Thank you.
1: Andrew Norfolk from the newspaper called the times mm.
2: very good um, a well a well-meaning man what what is uh, what else would you like to say about that Danny Can you hear me? By any chance? Yeah. Okay, great. Um, so yeah, what's sir.
0: your what's your take on that Danny? I mean, would you say that he should be treated in, in the same light now as Tommy gets treated? That he is an Islamophobic, a racist, doesn't like brown people. And should be speaking about the positive sides of Islam?
1: Well, it's just take on.
0: take on. That's his information he's found out, and that's his opinion on what he reckons. You know, I mean, the thing is, it's not so easy to call him an phobic racist, is it? Because he works for the Daily Mail, and you know, he's he's a mainstream journalist, and yet he's found the same things that Tommy found, and he's now saying the same things that Tommy's been saying, but it's coming from a different source. You would, you could argue a more credible source. Some would say not. You know. Um, so does that add any credibility to what tommy's been saying when you find that andrew norfolk is, has found the same thing and is doing the same thing and saying that he, he can't say it's not happening you know
2: um it, it does it lend credibility to uh, stephen Yaxi lennon's pursuit uh, yeah, yeah I mean, pushing an agenda
0: well is he pushing an agenda if you find a mainstream journalist from a reputable organisation does the same research as Tommy and finds the same thing that Tommy found and then says the exact same thing as Tommy and says that everything Tommy's
1: been telling you is true And just stir uh, it out back in 10 minutes
2: okay um does it make you
0: more open to the to the to the suggestion that maybe tommy hasn't just got this uh, agenda and is actually telling you what's really going on and it's very uncomfortable to believe until you hear it from somebody else
2: right okay here's what i will say I will say that Stephen Oxley Lennon plays lip service to an issue in order to force an issue. So what? This this guy Andrew Norfolk was obviously well intentioned. Um, it's a different. It's a different situation.
0: So how should the, how should the issue of grooming gangs be tackled? If not the way Tommy did it?
2: By responsible people. And like Andrew Norfolk. Who uh, will actually go and talk to, to uh individuals and to various institutions okay. and who will gather information correctly, factually
0: etc but you understand
2: he won't won't pick and choose
0: but you understand that the only reason andrew norfolk carried out those investigations is because of what tommy robinson did in the first place
2: no i don't understand that
0: well no because okay if tommy hadn't done what he'd done in calling out grooming gangs Uh, the the mainstream media wouldn't go looking to disprove what tommy had been saying or, or to prove what he'd been saying you know
2: so, so he he was basically uh the leader of a grassroots he highlighted kind of like, he, yeah,
0: yeah he highlighted the issue for them to to then take the lead and go and make it put it into the mainstream newspaper you know um he's the groundwork for them you know i mean as you heard andrew Norfolk say he didn't want to believe. That what he'd heard was true, that it was brown men raping white girls, because that, as Andrew Norfolk said in that presentation, that is a narrative that we've been led to believe is the you know the sort of far-right narrative of the racist yeah. narrative, you know. And, um, and I guess, found... listen,
2: I didn't hear him mention Tommy Robinson's name.
0: No, he didn't. I don't think he mentioned Tommy Robinson's name, but he did mention the the scenario it being an issue with brown men raping white girls was something that was not popular to be saying you know but yet yet,
2: his source and inspiration was not tommy robinson
0: i think i think it's a fair assumption it was like um, it was
2: basically what was being told or said but but the, uh, but the most managers.
0: well the most vocal person speaking out about this for years has been Tommy Robinson so it's 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 quite fair to assume that they was going on what they had heard from people like Tommy or followers of Tommy you know? I
2: don't know if it's fair to assume well, that. In fact, I before... I, think, okay. I think perhaps that uh, he was hearing from members of families of women affected.
0: Yeah, the victims would have, would have spoken out. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I um,
2: mean, Tommy Robinson is not the star in this no, scenario. but you He's do not know the bleeding that... voice. Okay, leading voice.
0: Yeah, and you do know that Tommy Robinson wasn't actually the first person to call out the grooming issue.
2: Who is the first person?
0: Nick Griffin from the BNP. Now you would argue that's pretty more unsavoury. Than tommy robinson i mean the bnp right you know we all know that you know bnp well, got...
2: uh bnp <laughs> whatever but nick griffin come on
0: exactly i i, I, I would totally agree with you BNP, you know there's a lot of bad things i'm not a supporter of the bnp or national front or any of those type of organizations far from it but it is is a, is a fact that before tommy called out grooming gangs nick griffin was calling out grooming gangs and he was totally ignored because he was a racist, right? But you, could, but the facts are there. He called it out. He said, "We've got an issue with Muslims raping young white girls," and he was dismissed as being a racist. Then, when the uh, BNP faded away, Tommy took over, and said, "We've got a problem with brown men raping white girls," and he was called a racist.
2: Right. The police
0: didn't investigate it because they didn't want to get called a racist like Tommy. And then you get Andrew Norfolk, you know, from the uh the mail or the Times? I think it's the Times, decide, you know what, I'm gonna investigate this properly. Let's do it properly professionally.
2: Okay. And he found and, and he found right.
0: out he found out that what Nick Griffin and what Tommy had been saying.
2: Yeah, yeah, true. Right. And so did, <laughs> did did either Nick Griffin or Stephen Yaxley-Lennon uh, out uh, clerical abuse in the Protestant Church in the Church of England. Did they speak out about that? Did they have something to say about it?
0: Look, why are you t- why are you t- trying to switch away from one to the other?
2: I'm not. I'm asking. You are. You're who, doing this whole what if, about if, it? these time? two men who are. You know appalled by such things do they call out the uh the clergy in the in church of england
0: because people they have been was, always, people do no, no people have already been calling it out for years that's been no, getting called haven't. out for a long long the time very,
2: the very first people to call out religious um abuse were the irish people we were the very first people to call it out and that was in the know, 80s, how,
0: the late 80s. The 80s. After <laughs>
2: that. 19...
0: So it 40 years ago. Okay. So that was being called out for the past 40 years.
2: Okay? Not in the UK. That was later. For a very long time, Irish people were being called paedophiles on the basis of the things that we put out there for the world. we were called i was called by a scottish woman and actually kind of a rangers fan i was called a pedophile just because i'm an irish person because it it, in her head she was going oh you're irish oh your priests rape children you must be a pedophile do you know what i'm saying
0: yeah yeah i hear you yeah i hear you
2: yeah but you can't remember remember all
0: irish people can you for that
2: No, of course you can't. It's ridiculous. But that's what happens. And um, so I'm saying, I'm asking you, is there evidence of Nick Griffin calling out the clergy within the Church of England for their abuses against children?
0: Not as far as I know. There isn't no. He may well have done. I don't know. He may well have done.
2: Well, that'd be interesting to know, wouldn't it?
0: But are you suggesting that he only called out Brown men raping white girls because they're brown men.
2: Yeah, I am yeah, suggesting yeah, that. It's,
0: it's very easy to go there, isn't it? And say so, oh, they're just—they're calling out because they're racist. But you know what?
2: Well, I—I—I'm I, <laughs> suggesting primarily that it's a bit yeah. iffy and dodgy. Uh, if thing only is, one group right.
0: they're called uh, out. Okay, that would be very, very good to say. They're just saying it because they're brown.
2: But. Well, it helps, you it say, helps uh, the agenda against immigration, it helps against, no, it,
0: it helps uh, the, you know, it it helps it's helps
2: like, you. oh, I'm right to be racist because, you know. No, no.
0: First, first of all, we've already said it's not about race, it's about an ideology that are grooming girls, okay?
2: But hold on, you Islamic, me not that actually. most Muslims in the UK come from Pakistan.
0: And most Muslims in Holland come from Mos- from Morocco or Turkey. They have a grooming issue over there as well it's not a pakistan issue it's an islam issue
2: hmm, it's an immigration issue i would think
0: immigration how do you work at immigration
2: uh, having immigrants in the country i would say that's
0: so you think so you think immigrants behind
2: are the pushing of this
0: so you think immigrants Sorry. so you think immigrants are responsible for grooming girls
2: No, I'm saying that Nick Griffin probably pushed this story in spite of being able to do the same about the Church of England clergy, in in spite of it being an actual factual, you know what I mean as well, and that he pushed it specifically about this particular demographic group of people, Pakistani Muslims, immigrants. You know, that's what I'm saying.
0: But where did Im- immigration come into it? You mentioned immigration. You said it was due to immigration.
2: Uh, you know that people from Pakistan have obviously emigrated to fucking to the UK. Right. So they are migrants. Immigrants.
0: Yeah. But what's the relevance? Why have you brought up immigration? Why have you
2: That's an aspect of um both Tommy Robinson and um, Nick Griffin's issues. It's like the British National Party, the ETL, English Defence League. We don't like foreigners. We don't want them in our country. We want Ireland, sorry, (laughs) England, the UK, to stay white. Right. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, then you're talking about ethno-nationalists, aren't you, that want to have a, a pro-white and repatriate non-white and i don't agree with that
2: mm-hmm.
0: i mean as you know tommy robinson is not an ethno-nationalist
2: i have no idea what he is what is he a sivnat
0: yeah i mean people that follow him would be called civnats people that follow mark collette will be called FNATs. Um FNATs want to repatriate people that are not white right out of the UK to achieve like an eighty or a ninety or I mean the percentage varies, but it's a predominantly white they want a white country, you know. They're all about indigenous white. And I don't subscribe to that. I'm not an FNAT nationalist Okay. Um I don't identify myself as a civic nationalist either because the minute you choose one or the other, people decide that you hold a whole set of principles and often they're not they're not always everyone's got a different opinion of what that means so rather than saying i'm an ethnonat or i'm a sibnat, i ask people to ask me specific questions and then they can decide what they want to call me you know yeah. um, otherwise you get put in a box and told that you believe a certain thing and often you don't you know um okay. but as far as immigration i mean
2: yeah, there's a lot of uh, anti-immigrants. I mean, immigration
0: I'm, I'm, an, immigration. I'm anti-immigration. I'm anti-illegal immigration. Not li- legal, fine, no problem. Legal immigration, I've got no problem with because it's controlled and measured and you know who's coming here because they're going through the correct path. When it comes to illegal immigration, you've got no control over who's coming here and when they're here, they they can't be returned, they stay
2: so um uh, can i ask you do you believe that refugees are illegal immigrants
0: if a refugee comes through an airport through customs they're a legal immigrant if they turn up on a boat uh dover on the beach then they're an illegal immigrant that is what that that is the status they're given that is the the term they are given by our government illegal immigrants okay so if they're an illegal immigrant breaking the law right but that doesn't seem to matter because once they're here they're here okay and we don't get a say in how many people come here or where they come from or what they believe or what their culture is or whether they come from a country where men are marrying nine year olds and nine year olds are women
2: okay Okay. so
0: this isn't this is this is the thing once you realize you've got an issue that's your
2: issue that's your issue
0: Once you realise you've got a problem with nine-year-old and ten-year-old girls being groomed and raped by Muslims in this country, and I'm not saying 16 billion Muslims around the world doing it, I'm saying there's an issue within that that demographic. You've got a small percentage of Muslims that believe that it's correct to carry out grooming.
2: So you would like to eradicate Muslims on that basis?
0: No, of course not how can you eradicate 16 billion people
2: uh from the uk
0: no no
2: look specifically
0: am i going to go and eradicate all the catholics because some priests raped boys of course well not. You,
2: if you did that you would need to do sort out the church of england
0: yeah, exactly the idea is crazy to so, so to suggest the same thing for muslims is equally crazy you're not going to go and say all right every muslim at the uk well you can't treat 16 billion people and take out an action against 16 billion people for the behavior of a small percentage that are grooming nine and ten year olds
2: okay so, so of course so, you
0: can't target the whole of the followers of islam that, that's, that's crazy
2: i know i know what we've so, got to tackle
0: is the people that are are raping children Now, who's okay. going to tackle that? Who is going to tackle that? Because I do I mean. Well, when I can at, tell you
2: one thing. Tommy Robinson is not employed to do that.
0: No. So who, who is
2: he a journalist? So, okay. so why so, does anybody give him money?
0: So let's look at, let's look at home. OK, immigrants. let's look at solutions rather than problems. When it comes to the Church of England and the Catholic Church, how do you, how are they going to stop vicars and priests raping boys? child safety guidance okay. does that mean the church gets involved and the church acknowledges they've got an issue and helps to deal with it reports it um Absolutely. tackles Absolutely. it um
2: that, that's that's that's
0: this it stops covering it up and says okay we've got a problem within our church of england we've got a problem within the catholic church we know that boys have been raped by priests and vicars and we need to stop that
2: yeah that's yeah that's what
0: that's what's got to happen isn't it
2: it has happened, it yeah. is, and it,
0: and it needs to happen. It needs to happen to Muslims as well. They need to say, We know we've got a problem with guys that believe that they are able to rape nine and ten year olds in the name of their religion.
2: So how know, how, how, we can, how, how many, many nine and ten year olds have been raped by Muslims in the, in, the, in the UK? Thousands, nine and ten year olds. Okay, yes. can you give me the the facts and stats
0: no I mean 9 and 10 year old be that will be 9 or 10 will be the lower end of the spectrum as you heard from Andrew Norfolk I think it was 12 to 15 year olds wasn't it I think it was the main the main age um so um, would be the lower young, the...
2: young adult women quite different to you know I mean I, I know it's still yeah, underage no, no. obviously of course
0: <laughs> bleeding heart young adult women. A 12 year old is not a young adult woman. A 15 year old is not a young adult woman. An adult is an 18 year old. Well, yeah,
2: I yeah, see, you can't, you can't, you can't blur the lines.
0: Yeah, you can't blur the lines and say, you know, young young girl adult i mean but you
2: know you know quite well that like a 12 year old is not a nine year old or a 10 year old
0: of course of course but 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 also a 12 year old is not an 18 year old Mm
2: -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. and a 12 year old being raped by 10 40 year olds you know which is what we're talking about here we're talking about grooming gangs
2: we're talking about islamophobia in reality
0: no because it's not a phobia a phobia is an irrational fear and to be scared of guys that are grooming or raping nine-year-olds in gangs once you know that is happening that is scary It's not irrational irrational is being scared of something you shouldn't be scared of it's being scared of spiders that can't hurt you, you know. That's irrational. Being you scared to leave the house, you, that's irrational. Being scared repeated, of flying, you know. You,
2: you have repeated that the age at which these girls are being raped is 9 and 10, but said a little earlier that Andrew Norfolk said they were from age, they ranged from age 12 to 15.
0: But it has been as young as 9 and 10. But, but as Andrew Norfolk said, the, the main age was mid-teens, 12, 13, 14, 15, that sort of age.
2: I mean, that's no excuse as far as I'm concerned. No, it makes yeah, no difference happened. to
0: me. Yeah. You Whether know, ten, ten, right, 10 guys, 10 middle-aged guys raping a nine-year-old or raping a 12-year-old or 13, it's, it's all grooming, it's all wrong, okay? And what you know that's happening being scared of that is not irrational once you, once you know it's happening once you know that girls are being targeted as a parent when you hear that's happening in your hometown why would you not be scared why would you not be fearful for your child when you I hear that other children that's happening to other children you know yeah it's, it's right to be scared paedophilia is bloody scary bleeding heart you know but do you know, do you know it's, what's irrational?
2: Irrational. It's, a, it's irrational to blame a whole community a whole kind of community who have a particular religious belief
0: i agree with you that's irrational right bleeding heart let's get one thing straight i agree with you it was wrong to blame a whole the whole of islam and i've never once said that all muslims are grooming children just like i say that all catholics and all of the church of england are not raping choir boys so why do people keep saying you just don't like muslims you can't blame all muslims no one's saying that what we're saying is there's an issue within the church of england that's been been addressed by the church of england there's an issue in the catholic church that's been addressed by the catholic church there's an issue in islam that has not been acknowledged and addressed by islam
2: but you told me earlier on tonight that there was a quilliam report that was um, uh, created or kind of like done by Muslims. That helps you with your information. So what was that about? Are they not- It's
0: a very small small organization that investigated what people like Tommy were, were claiming and then presented the evidence to the government.
2: Right, so who that's very responsible did. of that small but the
0: government did representative nothing
2: of the Muslim religion. But,
0: but it got swallowed, and nothing got done about it.
2: So we cannot blame mo- good Muslims on this.
0: Yes, issue. because good good maybe, Muslims. maybe
2: the issue is with the fucking government.
0: Well, good Muslims are not acknowledging that there's bad Muslims that are raping children. Oh, what no. they do what they do instead, bleeding heart, is they say, Oh, they're not Muslims. They're not Muslims. They're, the people that do that, then they don't they're not part of our culture and our religion and our idea. They're not Muslims. They're just you know, rapists. <laughs> they just dismiss it as being no, no nothing, nothing to do with us, nothing going on, you know.
2: Yeah, well, I would say the same. Like, I mean, you know, for swimming coaches, for um you know, football coaches, whatever, like, you know, there are people out there, there are paedophiles who will deliberately join, um, you know, join up to become, be with children. They will purposely do it as okay. as is what priests have done.
0: But when you find out, when you find out these, these grooming gangs, they call themselves Muslim and they claim to be doing it because they're muslim because it's their culture and this is why in the grooming gangs right you've got girls being passed between brothers cousins uncles you know it's not just like this little network of paedophiles that have all got together you know it's families it's you know you, you don't find that behavior in other cultures where a, a victim is passed around the family between the cousins and the uncles and you know it's very the behavior is very specific to that culture
2: you know um i
0: um
2: yeah okay i'm hearing you i'm listening
0: it's very very different you know yeah if you go and search and look into it you can find these things out you know look into the you know, looking and don't just look into like Tommy Robinson, but go and look into and more into Andrew Norfolk and what they found. Look into the Quilliam Foundation. Um read a book called Easy Meat. That's a good good start. Um and then go
2: I I, check I, I, check I actually it. will never ever read fact and then fact and then
0: factually, okay.
2: Or but emotional you, porn, I just won't do it.
0: But when you find out it is it is correct and it's true and it's factual. Then it isn't fear porn anymore. It's the truth, and that's that's the problem. People need to realise that sometimes fear porn is actually the truth, as un, as unsavory as that is, you know, and as hard to accept as it is. You've got to look to see if it's actually happening and if it's true. And I will I will send you some things that you can look into. Yeah, to, exactly. to, to find yeah, I out. Appreciate you know, um, I'm back now
2: because i mean i don't I, welcome back
0: i don't mean to have gone too hard on you um bleeding heart i do get a bit of a beam my bonnet with this and i do get a bit passionate about it so i'm sorry if i've come across as argumentative you know um but it comes from frustration of having seen things that other people haven't seen and then the people tell you that it's not happening that guys aren't claiming these things guys aren't saying that they do things here for this reason you know and all i can do is show you what i've seen and let you go and look into it With hopefully with with an open mind you know
2: all right okay so may i may i ask you uh this conversation that we've both had has that made you or encouraged you to sort of like think again do you kind of find that you know stating your arguments and your opinions and thoughts has clear things up for you in some way do you think well maybe possibly i am focusing too much on a particular demographic and perhaps i should reconsider my stance it has that happened with our conversation
0: well no because i feel like you are still kind of misunderstanding me because only only a few minutes ago you spoke to me about (coughs) it being wrong to target all muslims yeah yet when you speak about the church of england or the catholic church i've not once once accused you of targeting all catholics or all protestants
2: yeah because that's i established um my point
0: and if you was a black person or an asian person i wouldn't say that you was targeting them because they're white i would accept that you're targeting people that are abusing children yeah and i wouldn't for one minute think that you're targeting that whole community but yet when i speak about grooming gangs only a few minutes ago you kind of said that i was looking at the whole community which tells me that you don't you you totally misunderstand but it's very easy you
2: know what i did do you know what i did um i i sort of asked you about nick griffin and about tommy robinson and why they weren't talking about you know Cler- clerical
0: uh, abuse okay I'll ask and you a also question.
2: all the various have,
0: other have you, uh, have you spoken about clerical abuse
2: yeah oh, I have mm-hmm.
0: in the Catholic Church yeah for sure and have you spoken out about it in the Church of England
2: well you know I, I would be primarily invested in what's going on in my own country which is Ireland
0: okay so have you so you, but you've spoken out about clerical abuse in in the Catholic Church
2: yeah, it, it was a national national conversation for okay, quite a few yeah. decades.
0: And have you ever spoken out about grooming gangs in 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 uh, the Muslim community? And if not, why not? Why have you not spoken out about about Muslim grooming gangs? Yet you've spoken out about the Catholic Church. And if you're not speaking about Muslim grooming gangs and you only speak about the Catholic Church, why? Who are you to call me out? For only speaking about grooming and not the catholic church is it not the same thing at first are you not guilty of what you're accusing me of of only focusing on one religion Mm. hmm indeed see we all call it okay you You know we all call out what we see what we find okay
2: right okay and you
0: can say i'm finding it because they're brown people You know, but
2: Uh, I can tell you.
0: Well, look. If immigrants, if immigrants are coming here with a culture that leads them to follow a certain behaviour that results in children being abused, then we've got to look at the immigration. We need to make sure that we're not we're not we're not importing people that are going to be a danger to children, whether they be from any part any country in the world.
2: And uh, I would ask you to reflect on what you've just said.
0: Okay. When a person turns up on the beach in Dover with no passport, we are not checking their criminal record. We don't know if they're a rapist, if they're a pedophile, if they're a murderer. We don't know where they've come from, who they are, what they've done. We don't know anything. And yet they are immediately granted permission to stay here. That's dangerous.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that happens uh, like a lot of people, a lot of pedophiles fled from the UK. To Ireland, it became a huge, big issue. So then the British and the Irish. Police forces got together and exchanged information. And in that way, they were able to keep an eye on there. Uh, People okay. coming from the UK to Ireland.
0: And when people come to the UK using the correct channels, coming through an airport or a ferry port with their passport, those those checks between this country and the country the person has come from can be carried out. So that's great what you're saying. That's the way it should be done. There should be those checks. Okay. But when people turn up in the, in the dinghy on the beach in Dover, those checks cannot be carried out and are not carried out.
2: Okay, can I just? No, say you, to you, just you've, you, you just highlighted.
0: You've highlighted yeah. the correct way to deal with it, to carry yeah. out checks between the countries. Absolutely. So what you but I also is you I, need controlled immigration to do that, which is mm-hmm. what I support. Also controlled immigration.
2: Right, and really I would agree. like to point out to you the only no, reason the need arose, the, the only reason the need arose for the Irish and the British police to get together and and exchange information about paedophiles is because so many. Pedophiles from the UK fled to Ireland to escape being on the sex register.
0: Okay, and how was a it tackled?
2: Lot, a lot?
0: Yeah. And how was of that tackled?
2: pedophiles?
0: So how was that tackled?
2: It was tackled eventually.
0: Yeah, and how?
2: But I would like to remind yeah. you: uh, a large how? number. How was,
0: it, how was it tackled?
2: Through communication with uh, both countries the perfect police, so, police what you're, so what you're police police
0: saying police is police. we need to make sure that when we've got immigrants moving between one country and another there needs to be communication between the two countries
1: yeah
0: so what you're saying we need is controlled immigration where that can be carried out not illegal immigration where it cannot be carried out so you actually agree with me that we need to stop illegal immigration And have legal immigration where checks and controls can be put in place to make sure that paedophiles aren't moving countries. So Uh, I'm glad we uh, we agree on that, you know.
2: Yes. Okay. And I, I expect that you absolutely agree with me that there are a lot of white British people who are paedophiles.
0: Totally. Yes, I do.
2: Okay. Fair enough. Why would I?
0: Why would I not agree with that? <laughs>
2: um, look, because look, it no. seems to be focused on one bleeding, bleeding
0: heart. Bleeding heart. We live in a country that is still predominantly white. Not in the cities, it isn't, but as a as a whole population, I, I don't know what the figure is. I'm probably going to get it completely wrong. I would guess we're probably about eighty percent white. Okay, so you would expect you would expect for paedophiles pedoph- in this country to be mainly white. <laughs> what you're saying makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. What doesn't make sense is when you look at grooming gang convictions and find out that they're, they're, they're 84% Pakistani. That's just like upside down. <laughs> you know, it's,
2: well, you know I I want you to send me the facts and figures. Yeah, and I will then be. I'll go and examine. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was based
0: on the convi- based on the convictions. I'll send it all through to you
2: yeah yeah sure okay great i'll get my uh, figures as well about like the amount of british pedophiles that emigrated being on the register
0: i'm not talking about pedophiles i'm talking about grooming gangs specifically
2: um i would hmm, okay
0: see the, this is the mistake people make when you talk about grooming gangs you're talking about a specific type of crime okay when you talk about paedophilia, in general, is an umbrella that incorporates two types of paedophilia: type one and type two. When you look at it as a whole, overall, type one and type two combined, it's like ninety-seven percent white. But when you look at just one type out of those two, it was eighty-four percent Pakistani Muslim. But it's very easy to to hide that. looking at the general umbrella of both groups combined okay that's like saying in a place in london you've got an issue with black on black knife crime okay that's been an established issue in certain parts of london okay so to tackle that you wouldn't say well actually there's not a problem because if you look at the whole country there's more white people stabbing people so we've, we've we've not got an issue in that part of london you know it doesn't you're taking away from the issue okay Mm
1: -hmm. so
0: you have got when you find an issue a specific issue you can't then expand your vision to dilute it which is what a lot of people do so i don't talk about paedophilia i'm happy to talk about paedophilia but at the moment we're talking about grooming gangs and if you talk about paedophilia in general you lose that focus and then you lose you know when you lose the focus on that specific crime you don't really see what's happening because okay
2: well i I would say that um when it comes to pedophilia which i would uh, you know we know this is how the internet progressed to this point where we are at now because pedophiles formed groups and shared information we are aware that pedophiles will exchange images of children of course, and that they so this is kind of like so this is kind of that group of people who formed a group and a community so they are Beyond a doubt, a community progressed the advent, you know, like the furtherance of um, okay. our technology. Have you ever? Have so you ever so have you looked, said, what you, I'm saying to you is that they've been groups, they group together.
0: Okay. It's not always lonely. The place to start with this is have you actually looked into It's okay if you haven't, you know, a lot of people haven't, but have you looked into the specification of type one and type two convictions for pedophilia? And how no, they I are haven't. separated.
2: No, I
0: haven't. Okay, that's the, that's the first thing to do, is to look at how it's how it's classified and how it's prosecuted. How they specify and how they fit people into these two types, type 1 and type 2. So when, when you understand, and I'm not an expert on it, so I'm not going to attempt to explain it to you. I'd rather you go off and um, go onto the government website and type mm. in type 1, type 2, paedophilia, you know, and look in and read up on how they distinguish whether a paedophile is in type 1 or type 2. Once you understand how the two are separated, and you you recognise that distinction that the government make when they prosecute, then you can look at type 1 and look at the demographics and the conviction rate and who's being convicted, who's carrying out that that crime, and then you can look separately at type 2. But to mix the two together, is just totally muddying the water
2: okay so you're gonna you're gonna furnish me with facts and uh figures
0: yeah Um, i'll send you i'll try and send you some government links to government websites that sort of you in the right direction for this sort of side of side of stuff
2: okay good so i'll i'll have a look and we can talk about it further i mean i'm not comfortable with the subject matter but just on the basis of examining facts and figures
0: you know what really we're not meant to be comfortable with it you know it's not about being comfortable with it but as a parent with children it's my responsibility to protect my children and we should all protect our children and that means sometimes you've got to look at uncomfortable things and see what's really going on and call it as you as you see it you can't sweep mm-hmm. it under the carpet because that's when you sweep things like this under the carpet. That's when things go unreported and children suffer. You know, so mm-hmm. it's Can your duty to know yeah. this right, You know, and Can as I... a person speaking out on the internet, beating hard other people are listening to.
2: Yeah,
0: it, it's even more your responsibility to make sure that you've you've researched the things that you're speaking about.
2: Well, you know, this is um, kind of like a spontaneous uh, conversation. Yeah, Um, yeah. uh, May I say to you, though, that as a parting comment, that I don't believe that you should conflate these um, facts and figures, as in like telling me like, oh, go and have a look at type one and type two, Um, I don't think you should kind of like you know sort of extrapolate this this factual stuff and, and kind of like dump it dump it on one particular group of people if you know what i mean i like i'm just trying to warn you that in first conversations discussions i'm going to be kind of i'll still be that would be my mindset i'll be going you know he's a bit biased he's a bit you know I think you might be an Islamophobe. So that's ha- my
0: approach to whatever I'm going to be looking at. Okay. So as my parting statement to you
2: uh-huh.
0: is do a bit of research into what I've got a fear of,
1: mm-hmm. find
0: out if those things I'm fearful of are happening and then ask if it's correct to be scared of those things that are happening. Okay. Or, or, if, or if it's an irrational fear of something that isn't happening if you find that what i'm scared of is happening and you find that it isn't irrational to be fearful of that then you can no longer use the word phobia and then you've got to say i'm a person with a concern for something that's going on within islam and that puts me in the same place as you who has a fear of what's going on in the catholic church and then we're not so far apart.
2: We shall see. Mm. The next time the next time we talk.